0: the chgo cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. use code chgo when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars hello everyone my name is Corey. i am joined as always by brendan and this evening we have a special guest it is none other than brian smith the cubs prospect expert from bleacher nation brian hello and welcome
1: Thank you guys for having me. Just to bring the re- the listeners in, uh, I just messaged you guys a couple weeks ago and said I was listening to you guys like I do two times a week and felt like I want to talk about this major league team in the second half. I don't really know why, and said <laughs> that I was going to join you guys. We're doing a normal episode tonight. If you guys are anti prospects, keep listening, and uh, we're just gonna we're gonna fit in with these guys the way they do it.
2: No, this is gonna be fun. I'm a little worried though because typically when we have guests like you come on, Corey's like, you know what, do I even need Brendan? Should I just get rid of him and just do one of these like better guests? So don't be that good. Just be like kind of mediocre just to just
0: to keep my job, Brian. I'd appreciate right. that.
1: That's right in line with how I do it. Yes,
0: perfect. <laughs> the, the, the Brendan Hive would never let that happen, Brendan. No, but okay. well, we are that. coming to you on Wednesday, August 31st. The Cubs and Blue Jays wrapping up a series north of the border. The Blue Jays scoring five runs in all three games. It was good enough for a W twice. In the finale, the Cubs avoid the sweep. So the Cubs pick up one of three in Toronto. Uh, no longer on that series winning streak, obviously. And we saw some uh, a healthy mix, I think, of good and bad baseball, but plenty to talk about. And yes, to Brian's point, uh, we have had Brian on several times. I think he's one of our, our most tenured guests. Uh, and Brian has also been in studio with Luke and Cody and Ryan to talk prospects uh, but as he said, this is uh, not a, a prospect interview. This is just Brian Smith, the the Cubs fan, the knowledgeable Cubs fan that you are, uh, chatting with Brendan and I. And I and I, I don't see why that's. It is interesting that you get kind of. Uh, it, it is you're very good at it, but pigeonholed almost as a prospect guy. But I I imagine that you're, and I know this, your your baseball knowledge does extend beyond the walls of Triple A. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. I mean, Corey, you know this. I, I am a Chicagoan. I live on the north side of Chicago and I go to 20 Cubs games a year, yes, or plus or minus. So I, uh, yeah, I'm a major league Chicago Cubs fan that has a very strange side interest.
0: Yes. And, and you know, maybe there, there will be a, a touch on that uh, as Brendan and I have a couple guys we might want to talk about in the lower levels as well. But Plenty to talk about at the major league level. Uh, So let me just run through these box scores real quick and set the table um, just to sort of remind everybody of what happened in these three games in Toronto. Uh, On Monday, a 5-4 Blue Jays win. Javier Assad gets a start for the Cubs. Five innings, four hits, no runs, two walks, and a strikeout. He has yet to give up an earned run at the major league level. The bullpen, though not able to hold it, Uh, Eric Yolman giving up three runs, not a good series for Eric in Toronto. Manny Rodriguez, an inning and two-thirds, two hits and a run allowed. Brandon Hughes, an inning and a third, clean. And Mark Leiter Jr., an inning and a third, allowing an unearned run and walking a couple. Uh, The Cubs led this game four to nothing. Uh, The Blue Jays scored five unanswered runs and won this one in extra innings. The runs for the Cubs, a Wilson Contreras ground out a Nico Horner single we need like a bell for Brendan there uh PJ, PJ Higgins with an RBI double and that was it the rest of it is all Blue Jays you guys don't want to hear that Tuesday five to three Blue Jays win this one started by Marcus Stroman he was good five innings three hits one earned, two walks and one strikeout taken out at just 88 pitches and the bullpen not able to hold it behind him. Uh, It was Brendan Little getting in there for his uh, debut, two-thirds of an inning, two hits, three earned runs, one walk, no strikeouts, so not uh, the introduction that I'm sure he was looking for. Michael Rucker, an inning and a third, giving up a run as well. And then, jeremiah estrada do you guys this is going to be our first topic i think after i finish this up because we have too much to talk about with estrada to pause here uh but i just want to double check you 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 both do want to talk about jeremiah estrada right just a little bit okay that's okay Okay. oh my gosh i'm
1: already sweating brian
0: yeah brian beads of sweat dripping down uh brian's face right now as we as we look at him uh, he does get in there. Uh, an inning, no hits, no runs, one walk and two strikeouts. So that debut goes very well. Cubs getting their runs. Wilson Contreras' 21st home run of the year. Christopher Murrell, uh snapping a hitless streak of his own, his 13th home run of the year. He also doubled in the seventh to bring home a run. And that was it. Five to three again in that one. And then the Cubs winning on Wednesday, 7-5. This one started by Luke Farrell. Two innings, two hits, two runs, no walks, and two strikeouts. Twos across the board for Luke Farrell, which is good in some categories, not in some others. Uh, The bullpen behind him, Manny Rodriguez, with two scoreless innings and a strikeout. He picks up the win in this one. Mark Leiter Jr., a scoreless inning. Eric Yeoman again, two-thirds, three hits, three runs. So like I said, not a very good series for Eric there. Michael Rucker, a clean inning of work. Brandon Hughes, a clean inning and a third of work. And Rowan Wick gets the opportunity for the save. He picks up his ninth of the year. Was pumping 97 in this game, fellas. So perhaps something to keep an eye on. A bit of a roller coaster for Rowan lately, but tonight was good. Cubs getting their runs in this one in Ian Happ single. Alfonso Rivas uh, caught stealing second base, uh, but Jan Gomes scores. Cubs pull off a little uh, trickery there on the base pass. Very bad on the base pass generally in this series. Perhaps something we'll talk about, uh, but that play worked out. Nico Horner, an RBI double in the third, followed by a Rafael Ortega single that made it five to nothing. Franmil Reyes, his 13th home run of the year, made it six to two. And then Zach McKinstry added a little insurance in the seventh. That made it seven to five and that is your final. So we've wasted enough time talking about something other than Jeremiah Estrada. So let's talk about Jeremiah Estrada. And I I, I think this is an interesting opportunity uh, for two things. One, Brendan has all sorts of data. I say this all the time, but the texts that I receive from this man at like two in the morning, graphs, data, color-coded charts. I'm just trying to go to sleep, folks. And I'm getting metrics. It's insane. I just like
2: talking to you. You should be flattered.
0: I understand. Uh, But I want to – we're going to touch on that. Which
2: you never respond to, by the way, but that's okay.
0: Well, know that I read them. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But also, so I want to start with you, Brian, because I think that Jeremiah now, of course, this is just one major league outing, right? But when we look at this stuff, we look at how well he did at three different levels in the 2022 season, this kind of quick rise to the majors he feels like a really interesting spot to kind of talk about this pitching infrastructure. And we hear so much about the Pitch Lab and Craig Breslow and Tommy Hadovy and this and that. And sometimes there are folks that want to know, like, what does that look like, right? And Justin Steele's an example. Keegan Thompson has been an example, you know, getting guys like David Robertson and and having the success that he has. Those are examples. But Jeremiah feels like a really good place to sort of pause and say look at what the Cubs did with this guy in a in a short span of time and the results that they just got at the major league level. So can you talk to us a, about Jeremiah's journey and and how we get there and how it kind of reflects how the Cubs are developing pitching nowadays.
1: Yeah, I think I think that leads it in perfectly because Jeremiah was a guy drafted in 2017, I think when the Cubs were you know, not great at developing pitchers, uh, was injured for most of five seasons, pitched 40 innings over five seasons, and then come last year, had some success in low A, but he was coming back from Tommy John, and to be honest, the fastball was like low to mid-90s. The changeup was really the only secondary pitch. He He had some struggles finding a breaking ball after Tommy John, and then to Corey's point, the thing that sort of switched was this, Spring training, uh, he was working with the high a group, the, the South Bend group, and he worked with the South Bend pitching coach, uh, Tony Kogel. and Tony helped him find a new slider grip. And uh, I think the slider grip this year is really part of what helped Jeremiah take off. It's become the obvious second pitch for him he's gotten more velocity as this year has gone along I don't really think that's so much what the Cubs have done I think that's just him being healthy finally him pitching more I think he's gotten stronger things like that uh but but their ability to find a secondary pitch that really worked for him I think helped everything take off and and the amazing thing about it I know Brendan's going to talk in a minute about his fastball and
2: and how amazing it is you know me so well
1: yeah and the thing about his fastball that makes it really unique that when I've talked to guys uh, that were in the Cubs organization about him is that he's really behind all his pitches. So his fingers are really behind the baseball when he throws, mm-hmm. which is good for a fastball. It's terrible for a breaking ball, mm. uh, generally speaking. So mm. it was a difficult thing to find that breaking ball. And you know, the Cubs have the ability to go into a lab, not just in Arizona. They can do labs now in most of their minor league affiliates And they can work, and they can find grips. They found this grip, which is kind of like a a little bit of a two-seam almost grip that he throws a slider out of. Mm -hmm. It works, and uh, and it's really taken off. But, you know, I mean, Brendan, I'm going to toss it to you because I think the (laughs) fastball really is the story here.
2: Yeah, well, I'm looking at his fastball numbers right now, and I'm looking at the slider numbers side by side. And when you're talking about his ability to have his – fingers behind the baseball and how that's bad for a breaking pitch i'm looking at the difference in his spin based movement and his observed movement which you can think of like that seam shifted wake and with estrada he already has kind of natural over the top throwing action which is great just from a spin um access it spins at like 12 30 like literally the the clock the time 12 30 but it also moves in a way closer to noon, closer to 12 o'clock based on that seam shifted wake. If you look at his sliders kind of doing the same thing, it starts off spinning at nine o'clock, but it ends up around, and this is only a few pitches, but it ends up around like 10.30 to, to 11. So it kind of makes me think that with his type of throwing action and his particular you know, grip on pitches, it might be difficult to throw breaking pitches and he's still maybe generating some suboptimal movement on that breaking pitch but it's still working enough and I think I bring it up just because that's pointing towards that natural mechanics that he has that's conducive to a good fastball but also emphasizing just how good the Cubs pitching infrastructure has been to make a breaking pitch like that work given those natural characteristics I think that's that's amazing and then centering on that fastball Brian yeah uh, you you mentioned it uh, I, I tweeted out yesterday that he's probably like the best homegrown reliever I've ever seen. And as <laughs> I press I'm like, crap, am I missing someone? Like I probably made a huge mistake. I'm like exaggerating this. And I, I woke up this morning. I'm like, you know what? I still I, I believe that. And the data came out today and his fastball from a stuff perspective rates as an 80 out of 80. That's yeah. like one of the best fastballs in Major League Baseball. Like, this is insane. Jeremiah sort of has, just from a debut perspective, one of the best fastballs in the league. That is absurd. And it matches the eye test. And the reason is because of that natural spin access of his ability to stay behind the baseball. Uh, it's, it's incredible. And it always makes me think, OK, who's next? Because from my perspective, you're more of a prospect guy. Um, Estrada popped up on my radar about two months ago. Uh, yeah. I heard his name every now and then, but I'm like late to the game. Like You guys have been following his career for a while, and I'm always wondering, all right, who am I missing now? Like Who's coming up next? So this is this is an incredible development, and I'm beyond excited to see how he progresses here.
1: I mean, I think everything about that fastball plays. I mean, if you watch his arm action, it's sort of a long arm action where he's going behind his back, so there's a little bit of deception for right-handed hitters. He has a pretty solid spin rate, not not perfect you know not the highest end of the league but it's a really active spin rate so he's getting a lot of movement from it has some of the best like rising action carry in the entire league uh and then the fact is that he's been able to add you know probably three miles per hour over the course of this season i mean i did not have him in my mid-season top 30 prospect list which looks so stupid now
2: is Uh, that because of the velocity yeah, I mean, to be honest, yeah. in
1: June, he was pitching in South Bend, uh, had just moved to Tennessee. And, you know, his fastball at 94, 95 is, is good. I mean, with, with the carry that it has, it's a plus fastball. But the last maybe five, six weeks, he's been able to get that to 97, to 98. We've, we're even seeing a touch of 99. And when he's throwing 98 mile per hour fastballs with that kind of carry, it really genuinely is probably a top. Five to ten yeah. fastball in Major League Baseball.
2: So one question I have is the command and his ability to you know pinpoint these pitches. He has struggled. When I say struggle, I'm always greedy. Like I want him to be perfect, right? So he has struggled with some of his walks um, as he's gone through the system this year. Do you have a feel if the command has uh, a chance to improve? I. Again, I don't. I have not watched that much video of him, but I was watching when he was at South Bend uh, versus Tennessee. Um, you know, and of course, last night it looks like he just pitches out of the stretch exclusively now. I don't know if, if you've seen no. this, but he had a he pitched out of the windup. I feel like earlier in April, um, I don't know if that's a thing he's still tweaking, but maybe that kind of helped him improve his command. Because like Keegan Thompson did the same thing. He kind of like picked up his tempo. He didn't come out of the out of the out of the stride, but he he just picked up his tempo. So I'm wondering if that's kind of the same concept with Estrada
1: yeah i think so i mean he's a really when he gets on the mound he's a really aggressive pitcher he comes right at you and i think uh as he's learned the relief role over the last year he's learned some of those cues that that work i think pitching out of the stretch is one of them i think just like you know learning how to warm up as a reliever is something that we take for granted but it's something that that you really have to get used to and and pitching every second day is something that is that is pretty strange for a guy that's never done it before but i actually think that it's unlocked something for him and i think that that is sort of what's responsible for this velocity uh, jump that we've seen and as far as the walks go i mean he walked one batter in triple a he faced yeah, 25 so he improved hitters quite a bit. yeah he walked he walked six batters last year he faced 93 hitters you know really good numbers and i think that was something that was that was pretty good when he was a prep pitcher and and part of the reason the cubs drafted him is, is that he really does have pretty good feel but also, I mean, we got to be aware that this is a guy throwing 98, 99 for the first time in his life, and the Cubs, because of the way his pitch moves, are going to ask him to throw it in the top third of the zone. And, you know, locating when it's an entire strike zone is one thing. Locating when it's one third of the strike zone that you're pitching to is another thing. And so there, there will probably be some hiccups along the way, but I don't think that's a long-term issue in the way that, like, in, you know, other great...
0: Cubs homegrown relievers like Carlos Marmol had to do. Mm. I love a, a Carlos Marmol uh, name drop anytime we can. I feel like it's been a while, Brendan. He's not one of the guys that usually comes up when we uh, delve a into a that probably. stuff. But yeah. like I, I was looking on Twitter today, and the great Eno Saris quote tweeting you, Brendan. Uh, I know that made your day. Uh, Eno, you know, has been at FanGraphs. He's well, at the Athletic know. now. And he tweeted out uh, to your gif of Estrada's fastball, just LOLOLOLOL (laughs) over and over again. And he said that uh, four-seam fastball stuff plus this year, the rankings, minimum of 10 fastballs thrown, Felix Bautista of the Orioles, who has a one and a half ERA in like 60 innings. He's nasty. Number two, Jeremiah Estrada. So for when we're talking about that, and you know, you don't have to like go into the, the whole formula or anything, but can you give like a quick breakdown of Stuff Plus or what we're talking about when you say it, you know, rates is 80 and he's rank his fastball ranks second of guys that have thrown at least 10 fastballs to someone that's not familiar with Stuff Plus? What are we talking about?
2: Yeah, so there's there's two different Pitch creators right now, uh, three I guess if you consider drive lines. But one was uh, Stuff Plus. It was created by uh, Max Bay, who's actually a good friend of mine. We went to graduate school together. Uh, so he and Inosiris uh teamed up and created this and it's a machine learning algorithm and the actually for the nerds out there it's an xgb boost model and what it does is it tries I'd love to know
0: how many people understood <laughs> whatever you just said <laughs> uh,
2: but it's basically it's trying to take out all the influences of a pitch separate from how it moves uh, and so for stuff plus on breaking pitches what Max found was that the greatest predictors were not really like spin rate, wasn't really like release point. It was the movement difference from his fastball, uh, from, from their fastballs that were the biggest differences. So when you look at like fastballs now and not breaking pitches, some of the greatest predictors are in like induced vertical break. And for Jeremiah Estrada, he rates so well because he had about 21 inches of induced vertical break. So that means that it's going to really Uh, First off, it's going to spin in a way that's not going to dive. It's going to kind of like maintain a stable trajectory. It's going to be very difficult for hitters to pick up. It's going to move on hitters really fast. So when you feed all this data, all the stack has data into a computer. It's going to look at spin rate, release point. It's going to look at um, uh, spin axis. It's going to look at uh, horizontal movement, vertical movement, everything, and try to parse everything out and predict the expected run value. So the difference in run uh, run probability before and after a pitch, and it's going to find that difference and those characteristics of each pitch that give the greatest reduction in run value. And so that is what stop plus or the stop graders do: is the difference from pitch to pitch between um, individual pitches and those characteristics that drive it, independent from command. If that makes well, sense. Well,
1: I think I mean I think part of it. I mean, if we distill it down to the most basic thing, right, is that. Estrada's fastball looks like it rises as it goes. Exactly, and and it looks like it rises, you know, more than almost anyone else in baseball. And it looks like it rises at 99 miles an hour. So,
2: I mean, you can see it right away, right? Like just watching him. Sorry, that pitch is different. Something about that fastball. It looks different to me. And to your point, Brian, it doesn't. It kind of looks like I don't know if you ever dropped a basketball from like a bridge, but if you do that, it kind of like spins like upwards it looks like it's like a like a frisbee or something it's kind of like the same type of like uh physics if you, i'm not
0: a physicist brian brian told there. me that in his free time he likes to drop stuff off of bridges <laughs> look, what it kind of... Okay. look it up I on
1: youtube okay i was gonna i was gonna invite you to go over and drop something off a bridge no.
0: yeah i mean you guys want to go by the highway and start throwing basketballs i mean what on earth <laughs> yeah. was that but um, Look it up on YouTube, Corey. I'm telling I, you I, I, I. Hopefully, between Brendan and I think Brian's addition that helped. I, Brendan, I'm not quite sure you understand what like breaking things down to like you know the layman level is. That was still pretty nerdy, but hopefully you get the idea of like stuff plus and that kind of stuff. But Brian, listening to you kind of talk about. Estrada's journey and some of the changes and, and kind of how we got here the not only watching Estrada but what really stands out for me is this is really and it's it's not just this year right this has been a process that's been building but this is uncharted territory really I think for the three of us like there were periods in our lives right where the idea of the Cubs doing this with a pitcher was just not something that we would be talking about it, just wasn't happening. And what's exciting is that it feels like some of these guys are just the beginning, right? Almost like a, a dam breaking, almost right? Like, you look at some of these other levels in the minors, and not to get you know too prospect heavy, right? But like You feel like you keep hearing some of these names, and Estrada is not the only guy that is making these strides and, you know, pumping gas and developing new pitches, and it just feels like this is the beginning of a point in the Cubs organization, or maybe not the beginning, but, you know, not the peak, right? We're headed toward the peak of where we get to a point where the Cubs are one of those teams where they're calling up a bunch of guys that are coming up out of their bullpen or joining their rotation where other teams are like whoa who is this guy and where did this guy come from which is something that I think we've all been pretty jealous of of other teams in the past
1: yeah I mean you guys have been talking about Justin Steele so much in the last couple of weeks and the breakout he's had but and and Keegan Thompson for this season as well but you know those breakouts have largely happened at the major league level so it's very easy to be like okay Tommy Ottaby must be some sort of wizard that took these guys and and turned them into think so
0: yeah i think so
1: <laughs> but jeremiah's almost if you think about it sort of the first one that's come directly from the sure. minors and had that sort of debut where we're like yeah. holy shit something's happening at the minor league level too that's special and uh, and I think you're right, Corey. I think that we are going to see a lot more of it. I think if the Cubs are competitive next year, we're going to see them, um, you know, take a few starting pitchers that have really good raw stuff and in September shove them in. And all of a sudden you have a guy like Daniel Palencia throwing 102 out of the bullpen in September. And, and yeah. all of a sudden we have one of those guys that we're, that we're, like you said, looking at other teams and saying, why can't we do that? I think I think we are now seeing that we can do that and that and that pretty soon here we will do that i know i love i
2: love hearing that okay quick break here from our sponsor points bet points bet sportsbook is counting down the days until the football season with a new offer every day until the season kicks off from now until september 8th points bet power hour will will unlock a new daily offer from 12 to 1 p.m central sign up for points bet now using code chgo to also get risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars don't miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets boosted odds and so much more now through september 8th but that's not it if you make a 51 dollars or more first time deposit you'll receive a free chgo membership which unlocks all of our web content and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the ch Locker. Download the PointsBet app today and use code CHGO to take advantage of this limited time offer. Don't just bet, live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 100 Gambler for cross-counseling and referral services. Second break here from our sponsor, FOCO. Chicago sports fans, your home for the best Chicago sports coverage is partnering with a leader in sports merchandise and collectibles. CHGO has teamed up with FOCO to secure your access to the best collectibles and gear around whether it's bears cubs white socks blackhawks bulls foco will have something for you your kid a friend or a loved one looking to get some new gear collectibles or accessories foco has officially licensed gear for men women and kids with everything from bobbleheads to swimsuits to crocs foco has you covered with the best chicago merchandise of your favorite team head on over to foco Dot com for all non pre items. Use the pro- promo code CHGO for 10% off.
0: All right, guys. So uh, let's talk. I, you know, we saw Javier Assad in there again. Uh, goes another five innings. Doesn't give up a run. Just 80 pitches. Uh, but, you know, we're in this period where we have so many guys now. Um, you know, just given the way that things have played out, and we're certainly waiting for some more. Um, you know, kind of getting their their trial run here, and at least so far, uh, you know, for Assad not giving up a run in his his first two outings here, I would say that uh, Brian, that's a pretty good place to start.
1: Yeah, I think I, I, it has a felt a little bit at times like smoke and mirrors with Javier at the major league level. To me, I mean, it, there's definitely not enough swings and misses to feel like it's sustainable. It, It's felt a little bit like those Alec Mills stretches where, you know, all of a sudden he's got like a one ERA for a month and you don't understand how it's happening. But I do think when you when you look at the data, Javier does something the Cubs, I think, value more than a lot of organizations, which is that his stuff moves horizontally more than most pitchers. Vertically, it's really nothing, nothing super special. It's a pretty generic mix, not that much unlike Mills. But what he does have is he has that cutter, which I think is pretty special. I think it's, you know, sometimes he gets it up to 90 miles an hour. It cuts a lot more than than the average cutter for a pitch going that fast. And I think that's sort of the pitch that everything else is going to be built around. And then uh, he's, got, he's got sort of that cut ride four-seam fastball that the Cubs are teaching a lot more. And then this last start in Toronto, we saw the Cubs ask him to throw a lot more sliders than he usually did in the minors, and we're seeing a slider that, that breaks as much as 15 inches horizontally, which is actually a pretty pretty plus pitch, and and when I watched him in the minors, I didn't really see it as a plus pitch, so I think Hadovi probably sees that as something that, that he can grow with Javier in the uh, seasons to come, and... Yeah, I, I think there's no reason uh, to not believe that Javier could be like sort of that perfect like maybe number seven starter over the yeah. next couple of years. And then you you know, you can bring him up from Iowa. You got three seasons here where you're gonna be able to bring him up back and forth.
2: Yeah, he's interesting. I like the fact that he has so many pitch types. But to your point, it looks as if the cutter and the slider are the ones that grade slightly above league average. If you look at the stuff grader, those two pitches Ray has a 55 on the 80 scale, so slightly above average. He does have good uh, cutting action, of course, on both those pitches. I, I like the fact that he's still young and still perhaps malleable and can develop and maybe optimize some of those pitches, maybe even with like Moscow's here in the next year or two. But the the fact that he's on this team and contributing to innings right now and maybe even as a seventh starting pitcher next season, uh, that personally excites me. I've been following the Rays this year and looking at how they have used their yeah. pitchers. And they, they they're like top heavy with some really like – Formidable starters, but then they also have a group of pitchers that have been in games about 50 times or so, and there were like seven to ten of those have been starts. And so I look at the Cubs group right now. I look at Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson and Owolai. Hopefully, we'll get some innings this year. I'm being optimistic, perhaps I don't know. Then you have Stroman, who's that anchor. You have Assad. You have Killian. You have Wisniewski. I'm thinking next season. Maybe they don't have to be the every fifth day starter, like the guys like Assad and and those lower tier guys, but they could still be valuable. And I'm wondering too if their value is boosted if you max them out in a few innings out of the bullpen, if you pick up a, a mile or two in velocity. So I'm 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 wondering, and we saw like a Wisnesky pitch out of the bullpen tonight. Um I'm I'm wondering from the potential for these guys to improve their stuff. Uh, how likely do you think that is, given what you've seen in their career trajectories at this point? Or do you kind of see them being close to finish products? Or what do you what, what's your feel on these guys?
1: Yeah, I and mean, the fun thing about Javier is that his stuff improved a ton this year. I mean, when I last sort of had checked in with him, I mean, that's he was a guy that was sort of 88 to 92 with the basketball kind of a four or five pitch guy, uh, pretty generic stuff across the board. The cutter is new and throwing 94, 95 miles per hour is new. And generally, I, I like to bet on guys that show they can improve to continue improving versus guys where you know, you're know you betting on improvement, but you don't know if that's sort of within them to be able to do that. And so I would I wouldn't want to be the one to say that Javier can't get up to that next level, which to me is probably the slider becomes an out pitch. Uh, we probably see a lot more uh, 94s and 95s with the fastball. Maybe get a little more uh, uh, action on that fastball. That's a little more cutting. You know, yeah. a little uh, a little less arm side run on that. And uh, yeah, I think if he gets there, then you know, I don't think that I don't think we're ever going to be talking about Assad as uh, number one, two, or three starter. But I am not gonna say that he can't be like a guy that eats a bunch of innings as a number four starter someday. I think that's totally in play.
2: So I'm i I'm looking at how Steele has improved and how Keegan has improved. And going into the year, like I was probably it's this is changing on a monthly basis. I was more optimistic about Steele. And that was because I thought he was toying with his sinker last mm-hmm. year. He did talk about the curveball. He has done a completely one eighty on his pitch stuff where he's almost like a two pitch guy now. And Keegan has done kind of the opposite where he's developing the slider and he has like six unique pitch types now. And I'm looking at steel and because he was a two pitch guy I said this throughout the entire year, I'm like, all right, he's probably a back at end of the rotation guy um, at, at best. Cause I'm worried he's not going to get the whiffs and same thing with Keegan. I'm like, all right, he's not going to get the whiffs either. Cause he doesn't have that, that heavy breaking pitch. He developed the slider that might be it over time if he improves it. But my thinking on the rotation was I need to see whiffs. I need to see whiffs from Steel, from Keegan, from Killian, hopefully he can rebound. But the stuff that he showed seems more mm-hmm. like a command heavy approach and maybe not one that's going to lend a lot of whiffs at this point. So I'm thinking like, where are we going to get these whiffs? But I'm looking at Steel and now that slider has improved, the force team has improved, the whiff is almost 25% over the last eight weeks. Now I'm thinking, all right, well, maybe he's maybe at best not best case scenario because it might be optimistic, but we've seen guys like Chris Archer develop and make his name in the past on two pitches with a heavy slider. Maybe you know, Steele can be one of those guys. So for, for me, like when I'm thinking about the rotation, I'm thinking where do we get whiffs? Because right now I don't see that many immediate guys. And the one guy that pops out to me that is going to maybe get those whiffs is Wisneski. Like, I don't really feel that whiffy, potential right now with Killian especially with all the command stuff so for you on the on the next four to five weeks here in the season uh am I wrong should I be should I change my opinion on like being a little bit hesitant that we don't have immediate whip guys at this point
1: no I, th- I think you're right that that we're going to need that I, I think the question is going to be if any of the guys can be that uh in the next couple of years when we're going to need them I think with Wesneski the key for him is gonna be what it was for Keegan that I think they really helped him sort of get over the hump with, which is adding carry to the fastball to make that pitch, you know, an above average major league offering. Cause I think the slider is definitely there. I think the cutter against lefties is, is really solid. I think he'll end up throwing that against righties a lot more like Assad does. But the fastball is a little too bland at this point for me okay. to project like a high whiff guy
2: in the majors. He has a long delivery doesn't doesn't yeah. like I feel like his arm action is long like I'm, yeah. I'm not when it comes to like the mechanic stuff like I'm not brushed up on that but just visually it looks like he has a long arm trajectory it's kind of like I wish it's probably good for breaking pitches. also a little bit you know three quarters although he has that low release point is that something that you think they could like toy with over the years or that's just kind of who he is
1: yeah I don't know that that they're like huge uh the pitching development team is huge on changing arm actions that's not something we see a ton in you know, Strada, who we talked about earlier somebody yeah. with a pretty long arm action they did just do that with ryan jensen in the minor leagues
2: i was thinking about ryan jensen on health. that that's why i brought it up because he was that yeah. long guy too and now he's a little bit shorter and apparently having some success because of it
1: yeah i i mean i think they're gonna put him in a lab and i think that i really think that key is gonna be we gotta add enough carry to that four seam for it to be able to play to get you know, an average fastball strike or uh, whiff rate. And if we get it to there, if we can get to two strikes, we're going to be fine. It's just going to be getting to two strikes.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah, so I want to talk about uh, Wisniewski at least a little bit more in a second, but uh, to the back to the conversation about Assad, you know, we talked in the last episode about the value, kind of like you were alluding to, Brian, of those number six, number seven, number eight, wherever you would slot them in, like those guys that come up and eat innings. And obviously this season has not been a competitive one for the Cubs, but you do, you are able to still wonder like, okay, well, like if Adrian Sampson was not able to put together some decent starts and Drew Smiley wasn't this good. And, and, you know, some of the other guys that we've seen fill in, like, who was going to eat those innings, right? Like, you were going to have a bunch of one inning, you know, we saw just a couple innings from Luke Farrell uh, in the finale in Toronto, and, like, that's fine for a fill-in. It is what it is. It's a tough position, but 162 games, it gets difficult to allot those innings and keep guys fresh and focus on their development if you don't have that number six, number seven, number eight starter in a competitive year, guys get hurt. We saw it with half the Cubs rotation, basically. Stroman's missed time. Steele is okay. He's going to, you know, come back soon. But he, you know, was just dealing with something. Keegan's dealing with something. Hendricks is out for the rest of the year. is working his way back. Wade Miley has been hurt this whole time. Like, this stuff happens. And it, In a competitive year, you need those guys to step in. So if Assad is able to do that, that's a useful thing, and it's a productive use of the Cubs' time here in 2022 to get these guys some major league experience, let them tinker a little bit, let them kind of work on things. And he 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 didn't pitch in this series. I do just want to read this one quote from Drew Smiley uh, because we've talked about him, you and I, Brendan, about you know maybe bringing him back. He's got that uh, mutual option. But having that depth and the importance of that depth, and I I just love this quote. It's just an easy way to bring this up. He said, summertime in Chicago, Wrigley Field, it's just more fun. The home games here. The fan base, there's way more positive energy. Some places, it doesn't matter how good you are, people may hate you. Here, you get ready to pitch a game, and I know they care, but it almost feels like win or lose. They're happy to be at Wrigley watching a baseball game. Uh, you might say that it might be a good tagline for the Cubs marketing department but it, it is different here. Some people say that um, yeah sure right. but I just I just love that and you know Brendan and I have talked in the you know last couple months or so um, of kind of the, the humor that we find in the notion that like some people, look at the Cubs or their owners or, you know, the trade deadline stuff. And why would somebody want to play for the Cubs? Nobody's going to want to sign here. But everything you ever read from people that play here is the complete opposite of that. They love it here you know this article I think was from The Athletic like Drew Smiley basically begging them not to trade him somewhere else because he <laughs> liked it here you know so I always take an excuse to bring that up because it's it's worth pointing out and something to consider as we head into the off season here with Drew Smiley uh, but going back to Wisniewski uh, he pitched five scoreless innings out of the bullpen for the Iowa Cubs on Wednesday night, just one hit, uh, faced one over the minimum, and in his last three outings, this stat coming uh, from the broadcaster Alex Cohn from the Iowa Cubs: fifteen innings pitch, four hits, just one earned run, which is good for a zero point six ERA. Um, what I we've talked about Wisniewski a little bit, and I know you guys just touched on it a little bit there, but. The one thing uh, that I just wanted to get your thoughts on, Brian, and, you know, we've kind of heard them talk about this, and we've certainly seen them do it before, uh, but when we head to September and some guys come up, this idea of starting them Keegan Thompson style, right, in the bullpen, letting them come out in short spurts, get their feet wet at the major league level, uh, rather than coming in and, you know, being thrown in there and asking them to, you know, get a quality start, right? Just sort of ease them into it. Is that a, is that, you know, we've obviously seen it work in some cases, but is that a strategy that, that you support? Do you like that that's maybe something they're going to do with Wisniewski here if he does end up in Chicago in September?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's very easy to say that, I mean, Luke Farrell started this game tonight and Hayden Wisniewski pitched five innings in Iowa. It very easily could have been a decision by the Cubs front office to have Hayden start tonight's game. They know they're going to put them on the 40-man roster within the next three months, if not in the next 30 days. Uh, so they could have done it, and they decided not to. And I think that tells us that, you know, maybe they are trending away from the idea of throwing guys into the mix by having them come up and make their debuts in those, like, big league starter, you know, go get us six innings for their top pitching prospects. Uh, and i think that hayden's actually somebody who could be really solid in that role i think if he got another sort of one to two miles per hour bump by pitching in relief that might be really helpful for him i think he's a guy that if he reduces the pitch mix down to two three pitches that could be really helpful especially if you're just facing hitters one time because that's going to let the slider get thrown even more often so yeah i i would love to to see him in that role even in september i mean you know, by the time people are listening to this September call-ups are going to be there. So, uh, I'm hoping at some point this month, this month we see Hayden and if that's the role they decide to break him in with, I'm all for it.
2: I'm really curious about Killian, uh, Brian, and I'm curious more so now, given that I did not expect seeing Alzali get, uh, some, some action here in his, uh, rehab stints coming back from his, uh, shoulder problem. I'm, I'm, Curious about those two guys getting innings this year, but from my perspective with Killian, uh, I mean it's hard to find the right words. I, I guess I am
0: disappointed. Uh, we, it's, we to, to go back to some of the text messages that I received from Brendan at three in the morning. He's panicked, Brian. He's a little panicked.
1: <laughs> I got it. I would imagine cool it's about voice sales at three in the morning, right? Just like <laughs> yeah. you know, crying into the phone. And, you know, yeah,
2: <laughs> that's basically yeah. me. But like, I, I, I Killian, Dick, when he was acquired by the Cubs, like I, I love the fact that he had such a a, a low walk rate. And I liked how during the AFL last year he was working on a new curveball grip. They have talked about manipulating the change up. And so I'm thinking he's going to retain that command and he's also going to throw a new breaking pitch that has the potential to increase those whiffs and make him into a legitimate starting pitcher at the big league level. And so for me to see the command be inconsistent from start to start in Iowa and see that command escape him when he debuted, that was very unfamiliar to me and, and against a lot of my expectations (laughs) should I be panicked here? Like, I I, I I, mean, I guess Corey kind of put the words in, in my mouth, but disappointment is probably a right word. I'm not necessarily, like, going to lose sleep over it. Maybe I have in the past. I don't know. But I don't think I'm going to lose sleep over it. And I think, like, the Cubs can't actually uh, get him back on the right track.
1: Yeah, I think – I mean, I think there's a couple things. I think one, the probably the biggest reason that he's walked so many hitters this year is that at some point – something mechanical broke um you know something fell off i think the cubs probably have got him you know in some high res videos and probably have a pretty good idea down to like you know what his fingers are doing as he releases the baseball they probably know what it is um you know that's that's not necessarily my or any of our ex- expertise so i can't really speak to that specifically but in general, I'm going to trust the pitching coaches to figure that out. I think the other thing is, you know, there is a connection between if you don't generate enough swing and misses, you are going to walk more hitters because you're going to get deeper in counts. If you can't put batters away, you're going to end up in, you know, full counts and you're going to walk a lot more guys. And I think Killian has run into that this year. I think he's gotten uh, – to a lot of deep counts. And I think he's struggled with that put away pitch. And, uh, that's something that that I think is sort of worthy of a little bit of concern. And it's something the Cubs are going to have to deal with here is how do we get enough, uh, sort of swing and miss at the important times. If he gets to two, two, I mean, this is something we saw with Jose Quintana, right? I mean, Jose Quintana, I always felt like was the guy who was like
2: Brian, that name right now. <laughs>
1: Well, right, but he could get to two strikes. I thought so successfully. I thought, you know, how often would we see Jose get to O two or one two? Too many and times. And all right. of a sudden, it would be three yeah. two, and we'd see three foul balls, and then it would either be a walk or, or a, a ball in play. And that is the thing that the Cubs are going to be actively trying to help Killian avoid: is how do we sequence pitches? How do, you know, maybe it's pitching backwards off your secondary stuff. And finishing off with the fastball later in the batter, whatever they decide. But the key to me to getting the walks down mm. is getting the is getting the whips up.
2: Yeah, I hope it happens. I really do. <laughs> I need it to
0: happen, Yeah, I need it to happen, too, so that I (laughs) stop getting these panic texts. Uh, But one more break from our sponsor, PointsBet. It is Wednesday, so that means it is time for the PointsBet pick of the week. And I am going to defer to our guy, Cody DelMendo. I was watching, uh, scrolling through TikTok. I see our guy, Cody, and he's got some picks for Thursday, September 1st. And I'm just going to roll with Cody. I trust him. Uh, he's on our CHGO Bets show with uh, Sean Anderson, and he's got Purdue plus three and a half at home against Penn State. Minus 110 are your odds via points bet. So I'm going to roll with Cody. Uh, so if that points Go bet Cody. pick of the week doesn't hit... It's all it Cody's. Cody. Uh, yeah. But you can follow Cody on TikTok, Cody underscore CHGO. He's got you covered on all your betting needs. That of course are odds and picks coming via points bet. Use code CHGO when you sign up. So uh, one thing I want to go back to the the major league level. Uh, we we veered a little bit in the Killian and Wisneski talk, but they're important, so I think that's okay. They could uh, be up any day now. So you know that's true. Offensively, uh, Seiya Suzuki, another really nice series. That's something, of course, we've been keeping an eye on. I, you know, in, in terms of something new or noteworthy. I don't think it's there, but it's good to just point out that he's in a nice stretch here. He goes two for five in the game on Monday, two for four in the game on Tuesday, and then in the finale, one for four. Uh, so he's at a 110 WRC plus, 10 percent better than league average. So he's in a he's in a nice spot right now. As we talked about, he's had a year of adjustments, peaks, valleys, and right now he has certainly dug himself out of one and is seeing the ball very well. So that is nice to see, Ian Happ had another nice series 1 for 5 in the game on Monday uh and over on Tuesday but he comes back with a 2 for 4 game and an RBI in the finale on Wednesday like I said Franmil hitting a home run Nico had a uh good series here we we had Nico. Stroman on the on the broadcast in the finale on Wednesday uh and he was on while Nico ripped that RBI double so that was fun yeah, to see did. uh Stroman you know pumping him up uh you know I think he he, he wasn't as animated as I was a, expect you to be Brendan but he was yeah. you know sort of saying some stuff along like you know that's a hitter like things yeah. like that and I'm like all yeah. right you know Strowman, yeah, some people
2: do compare me to Stroman I, I get it yeah uh, he,
0: you have to ruin it. I'm trying to be nice. Um, But one thing I want to ask you guys, and this is something that you and I talked about, Brendan. I remember like, I think it was one of the first episodes that we had our guy, Ryan Herrera from CHGO on with us in one of the post games. And it was about the base running. And it was so early in the year that Ryan said, you know, talking to David Ross, it's not really something that comes up. I think in that game, it might have been Seiya getting, uh, like, losing a ball in the air and getting picked off. And, you know, all Ross really said was, you know, it's just a mistake from Seiya, It's not a big deal. He just didn't see the ball. But I bring that up because we've noticed this, a lot of people, if you watch this team, I would think you've noticed this, since the beginning of the year. They are really bad on the bases. And you look at some of the, like, available metrics, Right. FanGraphs, their base running metric, the Cubs are one of the. I, I think they're the the n- ninth. Be- 21st best. It's it's difficult <laughs> you can do to say. It. this. I know the math. Yeah, yeah yes, better, better than I thought. Right. To be yeah.
1: honest. the end, the,
0: there there are only nine teams worse than them. It's it's difficult to phrase that correctly. Yeah. Um, but then you look at Baseball Reference calculates outs on the bases. They are second to only the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, and the Rays actually have a significant amount more than them. So what's going on in Tampa? I don't want to yeah. know. Um, but. I guess my question to you guys is, like, in a team that isn't competitive, it, it doesn't seem like the biggest deal, I suppose. And you look at this list, like, outs on the bases, the two teams behind the Cubs are the Dodgers and the Braves, right? So good teams have problems on the bases as well if you're forcing the issue, if you're trying to steal bases, take They're extra bases. They're also on bases. base more, though, too. That's you know? true, yes. Yeah. Uh, but like is this something that you guys notice is this something that concerns you and i know brendan you and i talked briefly about this like I- i've been pretty noncommittal about my feelings on david ross i don't hate his managing uh, you know I strategy like ross. i thought he's doing a good I- job I-, I don't love it i wouldn't say i love it either i i think it's fine and he's had some really difficult hands in his entire managerial career Um, But when I look at this team, Brian, we've focused on so many individual strides that guys have made and developments and guys going to that next level and really kind of, you know, zoning in on those positives. If If I were looking, pulling back on a team perspective, I am a little concerned at how bad they are on the bases. What do you guys think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean it absolutely stands out when you watch them, and and the frustrating thing to me isn't you know I mean when you get the when you get the quick guys if if Nico makes an out on the bases trying to stretch something or Chris Morrell tries to do it you know I mean that's sort of what you're signing up for even Seiya who hasn't been as good on the bases necessarily as I would have guessed when he came over uh, but the frustrating ones are you know when I mean Willie's been guilty of it for a long time but Fran Mill in this series two different times getting thrown out on the bases. You know, and that's the kind of stuff that that you want to believe when this team gets over the hump and they get competitive, that, that the coaches will stand up and say, "Hey, we don't we don't need the extra base. We're a good team. You know, we're capable of a, an above 500 record here. Like, leave your extra base hopes behind. Take the base that's guaranteed and leave it there." Um, so I'm hopeful that that will happen when winning is again the number one and number only priority for the for the team. But yeah, I mean, it's just like slow guys, stop it, please. I mean, David Ross should at least be able to understand what it's like to be slow on the bases.
0: You would think. Yeah, I always think back to him keeled over. Uh, I think it was John Lester ripping a double that he scores from first base. Of course he was, yeah. Imagine that. Ross is keeled over at home lane, like, you know, and then he's in the dugout. They have that great shot of him. But, yeah, like, I think... Uh, you know, and i i I bring this up because you know, and look the roster might be completely different next year, like you said, Brian, when winning becomes the only goal, things may be completely different. Uh, Ross may be just trying to score runs on a team that sometimes that hasn't come easy with, right, but I think if we're gonna spend so much time as as we have you know charting every single thing that Justin Steele does or Nico Horner does or Keegan Thompson does. You know, you do kind of want to look at the the team level, right? Like, and uh, I, I to be honest with you, I was kind of hoping that Brian was going to do this on his own, but it, we're we're too late here, and I can't resist. When mm-hmm. I think back to the 2016 team that mm-hmm. won the World Series, I, I but part wait, of me, 26. yeah. So uh, the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, and. Mm-hmm. True. It, some of the hallmarks, right, one of the best defensive teams of all time, incredible on the bases, some of the best base running individually that I think we've ever seen from guys like Chris Bryant and Javier Baez, just insanity what they were able to do on the bases. And so I think looking at this team, you know, we focus so much on the individual stuff, but that is one of those things that it's like, yeah, I I hope that there's at least some reasoning or discussion for maybe it being a little looser, just given the situation. But you cannot, you know, be second in the league in outs on the bases and have one of the worst base running metrics and expect to be as successful as you want to be. It is not how they won a a championship most recently. And, you know, you're going to have to be really good at the plate and on the mound if you want to get away with stuff like that and it's just not that easy. So I don't know like what are you yeah. thinking, Brendan?
2: I I don't mind the aggressiveness, but there's a difference to me in aggressiveness and then flat out like gambling. And you saw Fran Reyes run into two outs um in that first game and that was clearly like a 1% chance of getting to the next base. You've seen the Cubs do that time and time again this year. I don't mind if you want to send the runner from third base home on a, a base at the left field, which actually happened in tonight's game with, with Alfonso Rivas scoring from third, Willie Harris sent them on home. I thought it was kind of a gamble, but it paid off and, and they scored. I don't necessarily mind that it's the decisions that appear to be, for lack of a better word, dumb, like they're kind of dumb decisions. And so I wonder in Ross's coaching environment, if the dumb decisions are being looped in incorrectly as encouraging aggressiveness because there's a way to i feel as if there's a way to rule that out while keeping that aggressive mindset now you can look at javi baez who you think oh that was a stupid gamble but it always paid off for him somehow those are the unicorn base runners but i I don't see that being applied in or i don't see that uh as being a good reason to apply that for this current base running group there's a way to to manicure that Ross is responsible for that. Those coaches are responsible for it. And it has to improve. I cannot watch these decisions in 2023 when this team is hopefully competitive.
0: Right. And it's it's one of those things where, again, like I, we've always noted, David Ross has been dealt very difficult hands, right? He starts his career in a pandemic shortened season. He goes into the following year in a season where everybody and their brother knew that franchise legends who he was also friends with uh and won a championship with in 2016 yeah, were going to be traded and so that's very difficult and then he comes into this season where you know the roster is not very good uh and he would have had to get pretty much everything right everybody healthy to be competitive like they claimed they wanted to be so it's it's tough to judge but that's why I bring this up because this is one of those things where it's like look Whether it's his call, whether it's guys being aggressive on their own, whether it's, you know, Willie Harris and Mike Napoli sending guys from their respective, you know, base coaching boxes, it doesn't matter. This is one of those things that falls on the manager, discipline, things like that, and, you know, just looking at some of this stuff, and especially in this series in Toronto— it does get to a point sometimes where it's like, guys, this is really ugly. Like, you got to clean this up. Like, I know we're not a good team. Like, who cares about winning and losing games? But like, come on. And you know, to your point, Brendan, like, that was Joe Madden's thing with Javi, where it's like, I'm not going to coach the aggressiveness out of him because he was doing stuff where if you pause the screen half the time, you'd be like, oh, no, what do you do? <laughs> and he always, he was always safe, right? It always yeah. worked. But like you said he's one of one like nobody yeah, else is doing javi. that i i always do suspect like i know uh brian you brought up wilson but i think wilson spent too much time with hobby oh think. he for sure thinks he's hobby <laughs> yeah. there's no doubt about he, that he i love wilson to death but he has a little bit of this belief you could tell that he and javi are like this and they can just kind of do the same stuff and it is not true uh that is definitely just <laughs> not the case um yeah Before we finish up and and preview this uh, series this weekend, Brian, uh, on Tuesday, we did see one Brennan Davis launching a home run in AAA. I mean, you know, he's obviously just got back to AAA and we'll see what the Cubs decide to do here, uh, you know, with the rest of his season and in the fall and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, as, as as a prospect guy at your core, that had to just feel unbelievable to see him get back there that quickly and hit a home run as soon as he did
1: yeah i mean it's those kinds of players that can go to a futures game and hit two home runs and can you know come back from a long layoff and in their first triple a game hit a home run i mean those are the kind of guys that that you just know sort of rise when the rise when the lights are brightest. And when you see that from your top prospect, that that just gives you sort of extra juice in, in believing in those types of guys.
2: So one last topic, very quick here. I wanna get your thoughts. I've been talking about it a lot, the Seattle situation in playing time. You look at Nelson yeah. Velasquez, you look at Seiya. you look at Ian, you look at Brennan Davis, you look at so, so many guys. I am wondering how this works out uh, for 2023. I'm wondering what the playing time looks like from here on out. For me, I feel if I had to bet – you can put it on points bet maybe. We can make them do this. Like what are the odds one of these current AAA MLB swing guys – it's not the right word, but Nelson Velasquez is kind of in that group right now. Like is he going to play more? Is he not going to play more? I think one of those ends up getting like traded this offseason because you have a kind of a, a flurry of mid-tier prospects, a high volume of that, and maybe needs elsewhere. But I'm really trying to understand – like how they end up mixing up the playing time, especially with Murrell, uh as well, getting some yeah. chances in, in center field. What do you want to see? Like, I want to see Nelson Velasquez, but I also want to see, you know, consistency in the outfield. And I'm also worried about the defense of center field. I'm worried about Nelson's defense of center field. I'm worried about Christopher Morrell's defense of center field. He's not a national center fielder. What do you want to see the outfield look like in the next four weeks?
1: Yeah, you know, I probably at some point here, I probably would have sent Nelson back to Iowa and I would have had him just get every day at bats for the next month. I you know to me, that might have given you more information than what you're getting right here. It's gonna be hard for me to trust whatever sample we end up with with Nelson and by the end of the season and and feel like I know who he is as a major league baseball player. I feel like I actually would have had a higher degree of certainty if we had the long AAA, sort of if we got past the sample size part of it, we had like a real track record there to, to sort of speak to those swing and miss issues. So, yeah, I mean, the next four weeks, you know, I mean, the nice thing is like, you know, Brennan is just going to be in Iowa. You're going to you're gonna play him in Iowa. It's going to be fine. I'd like, you know, if, if Nelson's going to be there, I think you have to get him at bats. At this point, you know, you guys have said it before, like Rafael Ortega, you know, we all like him. He's done some really good stuff. But, like, the point of playing him on an everyday basis, it's it's sort of hard Makes to some see. Makes think yeah. I, I mean, I think, to me, the most important player for the last month of the season, I don't know how you guys feel, is Seiya? I think yeah. where we've started to see it in the last week, him him have a lot more success sort of controlling the, the strike zone, uh, hit the ball a lot harder. I mean, that, when I look to the outfield situation, it has to sort of begin and end, to me, with, like, one, are you keeping Ian Happ for 2023? And two is Seiya Suzuki, a guy that you can count on to be, you know, maybe even like a six hitter on a good team. Mm-hmm. And that I don't know that we have like a firm, super confident answer. That's the one that I would like answered in the next month.
0: So Brian on say, um, where would you like to see him finish the season where you might be comfortable in that regard? So like, Let's say he finishes the year with a similar line to what he has now: two fifty-eight, three thirty-two, four twenty, three twenty-seven weighted on base average, and a one ten WRC plus. How are you feeling about that for his rookie season? Do you want to see some improvement in that in this last month? Would you be okay with that? How would you feel if we kind of finish things here? Yeah.
1: No, I just like to see. I think more consistency on a week to week basis. In what in how the skills are translated in Major League Baseball, you know, when he got back from that injury and we saw him walk what two times for for four or five weeks there, mm-hmm. it just didn't feel like the guy that we saw in April. So, if he plays this level of baseball for the next month and it's a consistent sort of this is the stat line, then I think we'll be able to say, hey, this is what we can expect going forward. But if we're seeing these sort of peaks and valleys and sort of the core skills, which are to me, you know your swing decisions, are you are you sort of taking those blocks? Are you getting the contact, which we've seen really well recently, he's making a ton of contact in the last couple of weeks. And then the third part is, you know, the power thing. Are we gonna
2: be yeah, able to project me. him yep. to 20 ohms? Yeah, for me, that's a big key is seeing that power. Uh, I I loop in his recent success still with those adjustment phases. He's been a lot better recently, but there are some pitches where he's going the opposite way. And I'm thinking like you can probably pull that. You can probably go with some power on those pitches. And it looks like that, that like he's not in some cases out in front on those pitches that he can pull and use that natural power. To me, that's the next step. I want to see that in the next four weeks because I'm pretty confident he has those, bad the ball skills. I'm pretty confident once he gets comfortable, he's gonna have that play discipline. But exactly like you, I need to see that consistency. I need to see those extreme adjustment phases start to start to kind of plateau a little bit and kind of get that comfort because he may ultimately end up being the guy you want, but I want that to happen in April. I don't want that to happen in August of 2023. I want it to happen yeah. a little bit faster. I think he, that's the way he you should have
0: had. He just missed a homer in the game on Wednesday. I think looking which is at, awesome. Right? I think looking at now, you know, at, we don't count almost homers, but I think looking well, at I do for Nico. So yes, I know something. you explained yeah. that last time, um, I did. <laughs> but uh, it, we'll have to add that to his fan graphs page, <laughs> be homers or something. Um, I could put that as wicked. Media page but looking yeah. at like baseball savant i think Franmil's homer was 389 feet and say as was 390 so yeah we'll count you know, it. just wrong part of the ballpark but it was a, a good swing nonetheless just you know it doesn't count but maybe in the back of your head
2: no it counts okay uh let me preview this upcoming series against the saint louis cardinals so off day on thursday when you guys are listening to this Friday we have the first game. It's in St. Louis, seven fifteen PM Central. We have Adrian Sampson pitching for the Cubs. He is one of four, a three point nine seven ERA facing New Cardinal, Jordan Montgomery, seven three, three point two eight ERA on Saturday. You have Drew Smiley, Corey's guy, actually. Big Drew Smiley fan you are, Corey. I can kinda of tell. Um I get those vibes from you. I uh, I mean
0: I was a, I was mostly a fan before, but you know, you read now that you quote. Really when somebody starts talking about how cool <laughs> Wrigley Field is, how great the fans are. I mean I when I read that I'm thinking specifically he's referring to Brian and I, right? Who are at uh, you know a lot of games more than than most people. I'm thinking Drew is speaking he's, specifically about the, the energy you. that brian yeah. and i are bringing yeah i well, mean you're, unle- you're the, i have no reason not to believe that you're the first i just think you
1: seem back. to like um you know mid-30s men that are left-handed
0: pitchers well, I, I do have a it. we all have a type don't we ryan <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Smiley is five and seven at three point two four ERA. We'll be facing Adam Wainwright, who's nine and nine this year with a three point zero nine ERA. That game starts at six fifteen PM on Sunday to finish off this three game set, one fifteen PM afternoon start time. Marcus Stroman pitching for the Cubs this season, ERA back under 4, 3.98, his overall record is 3 and 6. He'll be facing Miles Mikolas, Mikolas, I don't know how to pronounce his name, I don't care, I will never know. I'm making that an effort. Uh, this season he's 10 and 10 with a 3.48 ERA. The Cubs right now are 56 and 75. Cardinals complete opposite 76 55 in first place in that division. What I'm looking for is a wide variety of things, looking at uh say Suzuki as we talked about Looking to see how often Nelson plays. Wilson Contreras, his ankle has been bothering him. We'll see how that pans out. Um, and then just consistency on the base paths. I just like limiting the frustration as much as you can. But there's a wide variety of factors to watch and consider this upcoming series.
1: We're also going to get the, um, the September call-ups here because the new rule, new rule in baseball this year is that you have to carry 28, only 28 players, up to 14 pitchers, so we're going to get a couple new new uh, additions to the roster. And-
2: Who's coming up, I- you think?
1: I think we're going to get, like, you know, I don't think it's going to be as exciting as we want it to be. I think, you know, Jeremiah is probably going to stay when, when Justin comes back. We, you a know, like I that. think, you know, maybe Hermosillo even comes back at the I end of I forgot about this. Hermosillo. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's rehabbing in AAA. I think it's going to be more those types. I think we'll see some guys filter through. Like, I think we'll see Nick Padilla come back at some point. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see. Uh, I think we might see Wesneski like come up for a minute and then go back down. So, I don't think we're gonna get any sort of top prospects for prolonged stretches besides more Jeremiah Estrada, which means more Brendan talking about uh, active spin rates in Can't September, wait. which is what Corey's always dreamed of.
0: That's exactly what I'm looking for. How about in this series, you know, other than that in St. Louis, Brian? Like, and you know, I you mentioned. Sayah being kind of top of mind, but as we head into September, not even necessarily this series with St. Louis, but some of the stuff that you've really just got your eye on.
1: Yeah, I mean, Christopher Morel to me is, is, the, is the other big one in September. I, you know, the stat that I sort of came here to, to talk about with Chris is that when Chris came up in May, he was basically the best hitter in baseball with two strikes. He had a 407 uh, Woba. And he only struck out 39% of the time when he got to two strikes. In August this month, the Woba dropped to 155, and mm-hmm. he struck out 71% of the times when it got to two strikes. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is a real key for September. Is that, that guy that we saw when he came up, he would get in that crouch with two strikes, and it felt like he was so hard to finish off. That has sort of gone away here, and we're going to really need to see... Uh, can be a little harder to, for pitchers to finish off here in the next uh, couple weeks to to have confidence that he's an everyday guy in 2023.
0: Yeah, this, this is that last uh, sort of showcase for some of these guys. You know, we've without knowing how much money they're going to spend, when exactly Jed believes the next great Cubs team is arriving, uh, you know, we don't have the answers to that yet or how active they're going to be in free agency, the trade market, etc. This is kind of that last opportunity for guys like Morrell. You know, we talked about Velasquez and his playing time. Even someone like Franmil Reyes, who the Cubs may have to make a decision on. Like, this is kind of the the last stretch to make an impression, make adjustments, kind of showcase uh, what potential role they might have for next year, depending exactly, of course, on how the Cubs want to build this roster uh but you know you both uh you know kind of buried the lead a little bit on this series this is it this is the last time we have to see some of these clowns maybe for the rest right. of our lives oh, there you right. go. yeah i'm not sure what? i think wainwright maybe is retiring i i don't know his was he hasn't like said yet his That's was like why. a little more wavering but uh this is this is it i know Uh, you know, our guy Cody, I I mentioned him before, very melancholic. This is his last opportunity to watch Yadier Molina play baseball against the Chicago Cubs. So soak it up, everybody. Uh, It it feels like I've been watching at at least some of these guys for our whole lives, right? So uh, I am not at all melancholic or sad to see them go. Uh, I do hope that the door hits them on the way out, my opinion people can differ with that that's up to you uh but this it it that this is it this is the last time the cubs play the cardinals you guys so this is our this is it as far yeah, as i'm rules.
1: concerned the last time i ever saw yadi or molina play baseball was when benzo bris struck him
0: out. yes yeah i can agree with that right some uh,
2: say something say that was the greatest strikeout of all time
0: it's a great pitch
2: yeah
0: benzo's really got a wins. good change up
2: he does bring him back i miss obris
0: yeah yeah. Um, Did you ever do anything good, guys? Ah, oh, there yeah. it is.
2: I'm, I'm trying to remember. It was 2016, Corey, right?
0: Yes, I think that's they right. Won the I'm, I think yeah. what well, Brian is alluding to mm-hmm. is uh, Ben Zobris doubled on the left field line in extra innings yeah. in Cleveland. Uh, mm-hmm. That puts the Cubs ahead in extra innings, and they go on to win that game. It was Game 7, so that means they won the It World was Game 7, there. right? Game 7. Yeah. Which they won. Yeah, and he got a... a I don't remember what kind of car, but he won a car for. I think it was a truck. Winning the MVP yeah. of. And he got
2: a ring about a like you know what a week later. No, that was a few months later. He got he got the parade a week later, not the right. ring. Yeah, I forget all the celebrations, you know.
0: All uh, the people forget a lot about the Cubs winning the World Series. That's they why we do. have to remind them. That's true. Um, all right. Well, I I think that's uh what we have for you. Um, we could
2: keep Brian for three hours. We could. I don't want to end this episode. That's the thing.
1: I'll demand to come back next. Year I, I mean, I, yeah. I, you Can know, it be they,
2: sooner than next year? That's 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 too far away, Brian. We have to do it sooner than that.
1: All right, you guys know where to find me.
0: All yes, right. uh, but I I will give you the opportunity here. I, we have mentioned you a lot. As I said, you've you've been on with us throughout the years. Uh, before CHGO, you were in the studio with Luke and Cody and Ryan, so you're you're in the CHGO family as well. Uh, but if somehow people have been listening to any of us and do not know where to find you and your uh, information, uh, please let us know.
1: Yeah, I write a couple times a week over at BleacherNation.com, and I tweet a lot more than that at uh, at cubprospect CuB.
2: And I will I will say I'm gonna plug you Brian like you' know, the, the stuff you do like the majority of my minor league, like uh knowledge if you want to call it that comes from like you and greg and and Todd, like all the minor league guys and steven uh newcomer to the cubs twitterverse i think that's pretty cool to see but i've learned yeah. like so much throughout this season and one of my favorite posts that you had was in the end of june talking about justice Steele's fastball change right like that was introductory to me to see like what he's doing why they're doing it changes your thinking so I think that's like one of the coolest posts you've done. You've done so much cool work this year. So if you guys are like curious about what these guys are doing, you got to you got to follow Brian. You got to follow him at the major league level as well as the minor league level as well.
0: Thank you, sir. That's a, that's well, better and, than I was gonna do. And I I will uh, come in with just some pretty specific Chicago uh, speak that I Brendan will not get. Uh, but what? Brian will. I, I do just want to let Brian know that uh, I am going uh, on Sheffield to Pannis Bread Cafe there we go. tomorrow for lunch uh, with friend of the podcast uh, Ryan Tomier. So uh, wow, I thought you I did would not just uh, do that on air. Right uh, let right now. Brian know that <laughs> Brian is a is a big fan of Pannis. It's great. Yay. They make their own bread. Sandwiches are great. Uh, I know that's not. What we're going to end about, this podcast right but now. But it's we're like d- you know, it's like this. a mile or less from Wrigley Field. This counts as as Cubs related chatter. So, either way, uh, if you guys are listening to this on Thursday, enjoy your off day free of the Cubs and their bad base running. Uh, get ready to bid farewell to some of our foes uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals this weekend. Brendan and I will be back with you on Sunday after the Cubs wrap up those three games with the Cardinals. And we are in the home stretch, folks. The season extends into uh, that first week of October this year. Uh, but it's when you're listening to this, it is September. So we are in the home stretch of the 2022 season. It has been uh, certainly an up and down one, perhaps mostly down. Uh, and there are plenty of times where i think most of us wish we were not sitting and watching chicago cubs baseball but there will come a time in about a little over a month where we'll have nothing to do nothing to yeah. nothing to talk about enjoy the pain well, for i guess now. the arizona fall league uh, i'm, try- brian, I'm sure trying brian i'm trying to get uh, brendan to let me uh, you know stay with him in arizona yeah. um yeah. I'm we're not on having that. it yeah
2: well, when you Are invite any to Discount lunch.
1: codes for traveling out there.
2: That oh you guys can man, Brian! So hopefully soon. You know, hopefully when uh, spring rolls around, we'll see what happens. And who wants me to say what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we got to talk. It to is the, beautiful in Arizona. If some people we, might. We got to talk that. to the higher ups at CHGO. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, as always, uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget to use that code CHGO when you sign up at PointsBet to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars. Thank you to Brian Smith of BleacherNation.com for joining us tonight. We will talk to you again on Sunday, and as always, Go Cubs!